You've pushed the button. Cool. You ready? Yep, ready. There's something loose between my legs, apart from the office. It's James. I'm hanging here like a cow. Ready to check. Loud and clear. Buenos dias, amigos, and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I, once again, am your host this week, Stu, and I'm joined only by Chris this week. Just the two of us again. This is the first Chris and Stu only one, isn't it? It is. I was thinking about that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's going to be our first ever fireside chat, our first ever official podcast together, live. Well, not live, <laughs> but because that's not how podcasts work. <laughs> but, live but, for um, us. Yeah, live for us. Um, and I'm so far really, really enjoying it. <laughs> 50 seconds in. <laughs> let's, let's see how we feel in 45 minutes time. Yeah. Um, so we'll kick in uh, with some news. Um, well, I, actually, I better introduce the episode properly. We're here to preview the Mexican Grand Prix. You may have guessed that from my um, witty Mexican introduction. Authentic. Uh, thank you. I have just been to Mexico. I danced in the blue flame. Oh, brag about it. Uh, and, um, yeah, let's kick in. So um, the first bit of news that I've got for you guys this week is that it looks as though the quality race idea has been canned for now. Thank goodness. <laughs> um did did I don't know, did you think it was a good idea, Chris, to have big quali qualifying races? <laughs> is there anything wrong with qualifying as it is? Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? The idea of having more race stuff going on across the weekend, I think everyone's for, but replacing qualifying seems like not the way to go about it. And the reasons they said that the teams have voted against it is kind of the reasons they went for, I think I broadly agree with, um, that a qualifying is an exciting part of the weekend you don't replace it also throws yeah. up a whole load of questions about like engine usage and tire usage and you know having to fix cars that have inevitably crashed into each other during these sprint races yeah yeah but yeah i mean that i don't necessarily agree with that i feel like i i wouldn't mind seeing more racing going on on a race weekend I, yeah i'm not against the idea of a sprint race Per se, and I guess those but questions would exist a... if they just did a sprint race as well. Still, but yeah, they still they absolutely they would. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I think it would be better. I would prefer to see a instead of Friday. I've, I've said this multiple times on here. I would prefer to see them ditch Friday practice, have a qualifying session then, then have a sprint race on Saturday afternoon. That would be my dream, and keep you know keep the other two practice sessions on a yeah. Friday. Um, so did I say that right? Ditch Saturday practice, yeah. I said, didn't I? You have now. Yeah, I have now. <laughs> um, that would be the dream for me, but it looks like for the moment, none of that's going to happen for the reasons that you just mentioned. So yeah, um, the teams are kind of getting what they want again, as usual. I mean, it still would have been one. fun to see. I think it'd be super exciting to see. I'd love to see As it. much Even as they, I... They, they, don't want them to cancel qualifying for races like just to have it at three events next year actually could be fun and one thing i've talked about is not having a set schedule for every weekend to kind of mix things up race to race potentially which i've got time for up to a point yeah um i think it's a 
it's already pretty complicated sort of timeline on a race weekend, three days. I think it's, I'd, I'd, that'd be a logistically a very, very challenging thing to do on top of an already very challenging situation. I mean, as long as they planned it all, races. you know, when they released the calendar, they also said, you know, this weekend we'll have a sprint race, this weekend we'll have a qualifying race, this weekend will be a normal weekend kind of thing. Mm, but it's, I think, the, it, it, I guess it comes down to like preparation for each weekend. It may, the, logistically, it makes it difficult for the teams because, like, the, uh, these particular races, where if they were to be having a, a you know, a random extra race, then they're probably going to have to bring loads of extra spares, aren't they? Yeah. So, but then, like you say, that I mean, they can prepare for it if they know it well enough in advance, then they can absolutely prepare for it. Yeah. Um, it is a shame that. Like the reason I wanted to do these these three next season was because it's an otherwise fairly stable season in terms of changes. So to have three kind of trial weekends to, at the back end of the season, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to try new things. So it's kind of a shame from that point of view that it's not happening. But to loop back around, as we said, the idea of getting rid of qualifying just I don't think is the way of going about yeah. it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They, they, they need to. Li- they really need to listen to us. Just <laughs> Ross, ditch Friday, ditch Ross, ditch Friday morning and uh, Saturday, Sorry, ditch Saturday morning and do quali then instead. Get rid of practice on Saturday morning, quali on Saturday morning instead. Then sprint race Saturday afternoon. I think that'd be really, really good fun. And it doesn't even if if you are going to do that, do it at the end of this season. Championship's probably going to be wrapped up in two races time, so do it yeah, for Abu Dhabi as a, as a season end special or something like that. That'd be great fun. That's not a bad idea, actually. Well, I'm sure um, I'm sure plenty of other midfield teams would disagree. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Adam, do you reckon we've covered that one? That bit of news? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, so I'll move on to Latifi getting some Friday practice in for the Williams uh, for the next three races. Um, it looks increasingly likely that he will be their driver of choice to replace Kubica. Um, yeah, I guess it's... I mean, they're giving him three Friday practice sessions. Yeah, if it was season. like... It's kind of nailed on, isn't it? If it was one or two, and, you know, maybe another driver's getting another one, that sounds more like evaluating, but... To give him three back to back does sound a lot like getting him ready for next season, giving him as much in the car time as they can for next season, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, like the the schedule, I believe is he's going to be in the in Kubica's car for Mexico, then Russell's car for the USA, and then I think I'm not sure which one, if any, they've decided for. Um, I only for saw those Brazil. first two, so I don't think they've decided for Brazil. Yeah. I would imagine probably Kubica, I would have thought, if they're starting with Kubica, it would seem fair to go yeah. one off a one, wouldn't it? But who knows? Especially given that he won't be there next season. Yeah. Brazil was a busy um, one for uh, young drivers last year, wasn't it? There were about three or four in FP1 last year, I think. So hopefully we'll see a few more as well. Because I'm sure last year yeah. it was like Russell, Norris. I think Latifi might have been there as well. Um Someone else as well. Long way to go to drive for an hour and a half on a Friday morning, but yeah, isn't it? you're going to take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if it's a Formula One car, I'd, I'd literally go to any corner of the globe exactly, to yeah. drive one of those for an hour and a half. Um, speaking of Kubica, um, it looks like he might be going to Haas potentially next year for some practice running on a Friday to help them get out of their uh, quagmire of hmm. poor performance that they've been in all season. Um, is there? Do you think he'll make much difference to Haas? He's not really made much difference at Williams, but then the problems probably don't stem from Kubits at Williams. Probably not. No, it's it's interesting because he initially said he'd only he wasn't interested in like a sort of simulator test role. He wanted to be you know actually driving cars and racing. So. I don't think he'd been considering this if he didn't think there was a chance of him actually getting a drive at some point there, but I can't see it myself. Um, hmm. I mean, Haas seem just permanently attached to their two drivers at this point, don't they? The amount of times we've said they're going to ditch one or the other and they just don't. Yeah, well, it's, I guess they don't really have anyone like who directly links into their team young driver wise do they? they it seems to be always just they they stick to, they've always stuck to what they've got as long as they've been in formula one haven't they had the same two drivers the entire time they've been around i think they have yeah from day one haven't they yeah oh did they not have um was giovanazzi there no he wasn't no he's only ever driven sauber slash alpha they yeah. did have like a young driver at one point but he disappeared off to IndyCar, and the less we talk about that guy, oh, the that was the that was, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, that guy, yeah, one of those, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we'll move on to. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk about jump starts again, Chris. Oh, good. Uh, the thing that we were so famously ag- in agreement on last week, <laughs> um, F- the FIA have said they could change the way a jump start is measured. Um, and I'm going to read a quote from them, um, which reads as follows. I should have this prepared already. The current system is the system that we've had in place for a number of years. I think the advent of technology has got better over the years with in-car cameras, the ability to see things better and all that. It's something that we can look at into the future, absolutely, but, but now it is the determining factor that we have and the one that we use. So what do you say? An end quote. That's a representative of uh, the Michael FIA. Massey, I think, isn't it? Michael Massey, yeah. Yeah. I think. Our new race oh, no, director. Oh, no, it's Okay. Um, so what he's saying there is we can see that he jumped the start, but our equipment told, didn't tell us he did. Therefore, <laughs> <laughs> we can't apply a penalty. That's clearly what he's saying. Do you know what, though? At risk of opening up that can of worms again. <laughs> I still don't think Vel deserved a penalty for that. What? I, oh, oh, we're never going to agree on it. You, if you, for Ro- me, if you move, if you move, you move. When, a- the thing is, at the point the lights went out, Vettel was stationary and he was inside of the allowed starting position. Yeah, he'd moved before it, but he managed to come to a stop still within the starting position. Whereas Raikkonen moved out of the starting position, so. Uh, yeah, I, and I agree with that. I've, I've, I've since watched the the footage of, of both of them. I can just move about like five or six. Oh, he was feet gone. Lose a, lose a long way. Um, but I, I just think the if you if you're going to enforce the if you're going to write a rule, 
that says if you move before the start. That's the key thing for me here is if you move before the lights go out. That's the thing. Because if, if what you, my counter argument to what you're saying there is there's nothing to stop a driver parking far enough out of his box, far, far enough back from his box to then start to move forward. And as long as he hasn't triggered the sensor before the lights go out, or yeah, before the lights go out, as long as the lights are out by the time he triggers the sensor, then he can go. That, so that means he could start moving before the lights go out, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I think the key thing is though that Vettel did come to a complete stop again. If you're rolling and still within the tolerance, then that's that's iffy. But if you've literally yeah. come back to a complete stop, I don't know. <laughs> and the, the final the final thing I'll say about it, and I'm happy for you to argue against it. I don't, you know, that's why we're here. Um, for me, is it's just when you can see somebody has moved, and then they don't get a penalty. When you because that's a very clear it's a clear indicator that a rule has been broken. If you no, no matter what series you're racing in, if you move before those lights go out, that's a jump start. So. For the world to see that he moved and then him not get a penalty for me is a really, really bad look. Yeah, for the average observer, it it does look a bit silly. And the fact that we've now been talking about it for two straight weeks is probably yeah. <laughs> probably shows that it's not the best set of rules in the world, does it? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah I, I, honestly, I, re- I think it's really, really crazy. But I, appre- I appreciate why they didn't enforce the penalty because... As far as they're concerned, the triggers weren't censored, and the the systems they used to enforce that rule didn't tell them that they broke the rule. But it's just com- you know, for me, it's common sense. If you can see yeah. someone broke a rule, you 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 imply that you apply that rule. Anyway, um, I'm I'm not going to get bogged down with who jumped to. <laughs> um, minor changes to the 2021 rules are afoot. Um, it sounds like they've uh, they've sort of just about agreed on what they want, but teams are worried about not having enough creative freedom. I don't think with the aerodynamics, so we're expecting some things to change. Do you know much more about this? Because I don't know an awful lot about this. Uh, essentially, the so it was Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, Haas, Racing Point, and Toro Rosso were the ones that objected to the. The degree of standardization. Um, last weekend, um, Gunter Steiner said that he doesn't support having GP1 racing. Basically, they they wanted, as you say, a more more room for freedom of design um, to you know differentiate the cars from each other, which I think is fair. We we as much as we want closer racing and whatnot, we also don't want Formula One to become a spec series. I, I think that goes against everything formula one has ever been like you know yes yeah. thing, yes things evolve and you, you know people argue about whether it should be open cockpit open wheel blah 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 but i think the fact that it's it's a it's a manufacturer series at the core is i think most people would agree that's a pretty core tenant of formula one and yeah the concern was it was going too far away from that um mm. so it sounds like they're now working towards uh, a compromise on that um mm. it's it's interesting because when you look at formula one I, I like what you're saying there and i absolutely agree with it when you look at formula one you see 
every you see 21 cars what you see 20 cars on the grid and obviously there's 10 different cars on the grid and of those 10 different cars there's no two components that are other than the tires and you know the odd bit here and there they're all pretty much completely different um unless they're you know using the same power unit and stuff and there's not really another series of top tier motorsport other than say WEC that you do get that level of difference between the cars and I've, I yeah it's part of the DNA of of Formula 1 isn't it like yeah, if we remove definitely. that it kind of takes away a differentiating feature of it from other other kinds of things. you look at NASCAR not NASCAR well NASCAR I guess they all more or less are running like the same chassis underneath underneath all the bodywork yeah, there's not um, that. There's not a ton of variation there. Yeah, IndyCar, like they're all, they're basically spec except for engines. Yep. So, you know, and they're really they're the two I'd say top tier ones that you can properly well, particularly IndyCar. They're the, that's the one that you'd compare to Formula One, especially given that you know the audience that Formula One are looking for is USA based. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if the the, the threat they're under is if they do if they do like you know dilute that too much then they're just they're just recreating IndyCar surely to the Americans kind of yeah um and I think like as F1 fans we you know I don't want to try and sit here and speak for all F1 fans but I think people enjoy seeing what teams come up with like remember testing this year when Ferrari and Alpha came along with those kind of inverse wings that they've run this year and everyone mm. was talking about these wings and really excited trying to work out why they've got this design and how it would work and stuff and i think it'd be a shame to lose that kind of thing you know for, for the real nerds among us every friday or every thursday a lot of the time a load of pictures appear online of all the new little bits that teams have added to their cars and people pick through them to figure out you know what they've added yeah. and what they're trying to achieve and all that stuff and i think it would be a shame to lose all of that like yeah lose some of it yes but lose all of it no hmm. i do that like i absolutely do that because yeah. i'm an absolute nerd and i love looking at uh, I, I really love looking at the designs of the vehicles and like i love that if you look closely enough you can see if you look at the angles around like especially around the barge board area and like in between the front wheel down the down the sort of nose of the car towards the front wing you can actually see like almost if you imagine like a line in your head, like bridging the, the the components, you can almost see the way the airflow is designed. Yeah, completely. It's, you know, the way it's designed to move the airflow around the car, which I find really, really fascinating. And it's really interesting to look at. And it's really satisfying when you, fig- you sort of feel like you've figured it out. Um, Yeah. So I want more of that. I don't, I don't really want them to be all looking exactly the same. Yeah. They're going to paint them all differently, but still yeah. like, I want to see more difference than that. I want to see different noses. I want to see different aerodynamic elements. Um, I want to see different solutions because if 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 you don't have different solutions, you end up with kind of just dull. Everyone looks; it all looks the same. So it's like, what's the but what's the appeal of that? Yeah, completely to me. Like I, that's why people aren't like enthralled with F two because they're on exactly the same car. I think, and obviously, it's not like top tier motorsport is sort of league one motorsport if you like but people are here to see 
the best drivers in the very, very best cars in the world. And you're not going to get the the best car in the world if you dilute it down and just say, no, this is the car. Yeah, completely. These are the rules and that's that. And then on um, the flip side of all that talk about clever design, they apparently also agreed to increase the size of the M plates because they wanted more room for sponsor logos. Yeah, I saw that. That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's like some. I'm sure there's some technical thinking behind that somewhere. Someone wants. Someone somewhere wants a bigger, bigger um, M plate so that they can do something. So they said they it. want more sponsor space. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, honestly, possibly. I think that I think that's more likely the case. I really, honestly, think that's much more likely the case. If it's not, then it'd be such a shame because it's it's so sad when marketing bods take over. Yeah, these kinds of things. Like, yeah. I'd hate I hate the idea of like someone in a marketing room in a focus group saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I think it'd be a really good idea if we had much bigger space for that's, the for the sponsor logos because they've been they've been good trying to get too small." Oh, it sickens <laughs> me, that sort of stuff. Anyway. Um, the only other thing on this, which we may have talked about before, I'm not sure, but it's been reported that the idea of uh, standardized brakes has also been dropped, um, which I, I, I don't think having standardized brakes would have been a huge issue, but it wasn't something the teams were fans of, so that's gone, supposedly. Mm, yeah, so... There you go. <laughs> the, there you another go. component that you another component you can only see on a dark day. <laughs> um shall we do some storylines? Let's. Cuz we god goodness we've gone 20 minutes on news. Wow, I didn't feel like that happened this week. <laughs> um storylines. So, the championship battle. Um if Hamilton wins with the fastest lap, Bottas will need a podium to keep the title fight alive into the USA Grand Prix. Um, I'm going to go through some ramifications for you for this race. Um, again, I haven't prepared very well because they're not already on my screen, but they are now. Um, so if Hamilton finishes in first position, Bottas will need a podium. Um, if he, if Hamilton finishes fourth with fastest lap, no, first with fastest lap, Bottas will still be out if he finishes fourth i think is that right hang on a minute hang on a minute <laughs> do you want me to do this because i've already read all this yeah you do it then <laughs> cut all that <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> notes for tom during podcast um so essentially hamilton has to finish on the podium to be able to win the championship this weekend uh if he finishes first bottas has to come um on the podium as well to keep it alive. If Hamilton finishes second, Bottas has to finish in the top seven. And if Hamilton's third, Bottas has to finish in the top eight. Um, although a lot of those versions of Hamilton winning rely on him also getting the bonus point for fastest lap or Bottas not getting the fastest lap. Um, however, all that being said, I don't know about you, but I don't believe for a second the championship's going to be decided this weekend. No, I would be. I'd be very, very surprised if he uh, if he won it at the Mexican Grand Prix. It'd be great if he did because it's a wicked place to win it. It is a cool place, but I, I think it's going to be a USA win personally. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't imagine. Well, no, I, don't, I, don't, I You know what? I don't even know if it would be in the USA. I think it might be alive for a, a good while. It might be the second to last race that he wins it because his form's just not 
there at the moment. Bottas has been quicker. He was yeah. quicker in Japan. He's sort of he's done that thing where he gets to the end of the season, he feels like he's done enough, and he just goes off the boil. It yeah, feels like he's already, already. And it's not it's it's risky because it's not in the bag yet. This championship no. is still doable. I mean, we were saying just the other day, you the other night on uh, when I saw you, you said to me, "How mental would it be if Bottas won the championship this season?" And my answer to you was very mental, <laughs> and that it was also that I didn't think it had happened. <laughs> it's very <laughs> but, unlikely. Um, yeah, I mean, especially with Mercedes are generally a little ropey around Mexico anyway, so. Mm. It could be, yeah. I just think as well, given that the the Ferrari is looking the better car at the moment, then you know they're going to be robbing points from Hamilton if he's not fully on song. Hamilton could be looking at like fourth place finishes for the for the remainder of the season, and even then he would still win. Yeah, the still be plenty just for consistently. Him. Yeah, but still, because Bottas would have to win in order to be, you know, even then he'd still only get. Well, he wouldn't get enough to overthrow him given the difference between f- first and fourth because um, yeah. obviously Hamilton will be gaining points the whole time um, I think it's 64 points the gap between the two right now uh, yes that sounds about right um, and so if, Ham- Hamilton so could afford a Hamilton- couple of ropey weekends and still be fine yeah as long as he doesn't have two retirements then It'll be fine. But, you know, imagine just in any stranger things have happened. You could easily have like, especially if you're a bit, a little bit further back, you could easily have like a Red Bull or a McLaren or a Renault go into the back of you or something happen to end your race early on if you're in that pack. And, you know, suddenly it's all to play for for Bottas. So it's totally worth watching still, I think. And we've seen plenty of first lap incidents in Mexico over the years as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the USA. Yes, actually. But there's loads of runoff at both, but still, like, the grass runoff at Mexico is uh, much more challenging for drivers <laughs> to navigate, isn't it? Yes, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next storyline is the battle for supremacy in the Ferrari garage will continue in Mexico. Um, Leclerc had one of his best results of the season last year in the Sauber, while Vettel also had a strong race coming in second from fourth on the grid, and partly thanks to Ricardo's retirement. Um, but still, you know, a solid, solid performance from Vettel. He's no slouch around this track. Um, it's, I think it's going to be another fascinating weekend to see these two locking horns it will, yeah. Going head to head in the fastest car as well. Two two drivers who are who are really really talented, going at it hammer and tongue around this circuit. I think it's going to be really really good to see that Ferrari is so powerful as well. That big long straight. I think they're going to have a bit of an advantage over the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean the altitude kind of balances out the power units a little bit, but even so, like a straight that long, if you've got the best engine, it's still gonna give you a, a hell of an advantage i would say yeah the the best engine doesn't matter what the attitude is the best engine is always going to be the best engine isn't it yeah it might not be the best by as much but it's still going to be the best yeah exactly um which of course allows you to to bolt on more downforce at a racetrack where i found out the other day um they put maximum downforce on the cars at mexico and the amount they gain from it is less than what the downforce they have at Monza. Wow. 
Wow. Because the air is so thin. That's amazing. And they still hit that... some of the high speeds of the season as well. Yeah. That's crazy. That is how high... That is that is how thin the air is at that altitude. That's that great. Can, I really like tr- that. Trim all the downforce off at Monza and still have more downforce than you have with full downforce. In <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, speaking of downforce, Red Bull, um, they've shown good form at the maximum downforce autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in recent years. So it'll be interesting to see how the car performs Um with the Honda power unit in the back of it. I'm sure they'll be looking at this track as a, as a track where they've got an opportunity to take some big scalps. Once again, they did it in Austria, another high altitude circuit. Yep. Um, so, you know, they, their, their downforce package is very efficient and very good <laughs> at, at producing downforce in comparison to most of the other cars. Adrian knew he made it. So that's why, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how uh, Red Bull do at this race. Yeah, Red Bull are an interesting one because, I mean, obviously this is the the race they're going to have pinned as, like, the place to get a result for the sort of the last third of the season for them. Like, they knew they weren't going to turn up to Spa or Monza or Sochi and get a good result, but this should be the one. But that being said, the second half of this season... Red Bull do seem to have really gone off the boil quite a bit. They had a really good first half, but they've not really looked close to the front two for a good few races, have they? No, you're right. You're right. Since um, it was it was Hungary, wasn't it? Hungary when they they just they simply were not quick enough in Hungary. That, that's when it was really obvious because that was the race when Verstappen was in the lead. And Hamilton chased yes, him down was. and overtook him for the win. And they were still uh, good there, but really... you'd have expected them to have been better than they were. Yeah. And then Ferrari then Ferrari got really, really good. They they made some aero improvements and they've sort of unlocked some of the potential that that car seems to have had all season, but they've just not been tapping it. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like... Because Red Bull, were, for a big chunk of this season, Red Bull were as quick as... Ferrari, hmm. they were right in the mix with yeah them. for sure, and that's what that's how Mercedes got this massive lead because Ferrari and Red Bull were scrapping over the remaining points. Verstappen's had a number of podiums this season, and Ferrari have had their reliability issues, and it's just sort of it's all compounded to to drop Ferrari so far back that they've not been able to hold a candle to Mercedes towards the end of the season points wise, but. On track, they are absolutely the quickest car. And the way that's affected Red Bull is they've, I guess they're, maybe they unlocked their potential earlier in the season and they've just not brought enough development to the car to to stay on song with the two leaders, it would look like from where I'm sitting. I don't know about you. Yeah, quite possibly. I think there might be something to that. Yeah. So um, speaking of Red Bull... Um, I'm going to link into the, all these. Look, it's like a little sequence of uh, storylines. Um, <laughs> completely unintentional. Um, Albon qualified in Japan with an identical time to Verstappen. Um, can his upward curve continue at a track where he's never raced before? He was only six tenths off in Singapore in similar circumstances, and a good result here could spring him to sixth in the championship from 14th after the Hungarian Grand Prix five races ago. Can you oh, believe that? that? Is it? Yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I thought he's like as, as much as he's had like these good results here and there, it's the Singapore one for me that really stands out because as you say, he'd never been there before and he managed to be within six tenths of his one of the best in the world teammate and I oh, finished fifth, I believe fifth or sixth. Um, sixth, I think. Yeah. Um, let me have a look. He was, he's basically finished fifth or sixth every race at Red Bull, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 He had a fourth from his, it was fourth place. Actually, yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, uh, in Japan. I mean, this is a tricky track for the reasons you've already said. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, He's been really good ever since they swapped the drivers around. He's just been very, very good. And I don't see any reason why that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, he was sick for Singapore. Yeah, thought so. Best of, like, it, it was where you'd expect him to be, I guess. Yeah, Singapore, where he should be. In sixth. Well, he was right where he should be, yeah. By, by a good, that was in qualifying. And then in the race, he also finished sixth as well. I do this every week, you know, like I look for a race result and I'm always <laughs> looking at the qualifying result, thinking it's the race result. Because you just I love qualifying. Enough. I just love qualifying. It's my favorite time of the season <laughs> of the, of the, what of the weekend. My <laughs> goodness. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even tired today. <laughs> um, uh, the next storyline will move swiftly on. Uh, my last one, actually, is, this is this one. I don't know how interested you're going to be in this, but I'm. I'm. It's kind of more for me than anything. <laughs> um, I've got a resurgent racing point. Will be fighting hard this week to snatch sixth in the constructors' standings from Toro Rosso. Um, the gap now is down to a slender five points between the two teams, um, and obviously, Racing Point have seen an upturn in their form in recent times, and they'll be expecting to col- consolidate this in the standings, if not in Mexico definitely over the remaining races um, and i'm also wondering how their renault protest is going to turn out as well because i haven't yes. seen anything all week based on that and i've been looking and then just nothing nothing's come up anywhere no there's not really has there? there's not been much at all um mm. they do based on the past few races they look the more likely of the two teams to be scoring points so yeah, I think I'll be on something there. I think they may well overhaul that gap. Mm. Uh, this race, they gained uh, eight points on them. No, they gained a point on them last race, seven points on the race before. Um, lost eight before that, seven before that. So they are creeping towards them. Um, yeah, they're just edging, edging, edging towards them yeah, ever so th- slightly. And like this update that they've had, they've only been on the car for like, I think Singapore, it was on, it was put onto the car. I think that's right. So they've yeah. only had like a few races to sort of get their heads around it. And that car, I feel like is just going to get quicker and quicker and quicker. Um, so they, they did this last year. They like last year, they had an okay-ish car for the start of the season. Then it dipped and then it, then it was really good again towards the end of the season. They were like the fourth fastest car at the end of the season last year. Yeah. And I mean, I've always done that with not much budget. So mm. now they do have some budget, you'd hope they start um getting faster earlier in the season yeah the only thing i'd say is they do need one of their drivers to sort of start stepping up and and doing something with this new package because there there is a, quite a clear gulf forming between yeah absolutely um, so it'd be nice to see something happen there perez has scored in four of the last five races and strolls only scored in one of those yeah so, 
Yeah, um, not to hate on Stroll, um, but I would prefer to see that car scoring points. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and I'm sure the the people at Racing Point would as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they would. Um, So with all that in mind, shall we each pick a driver to watch? Yes. I'm going to put you on the spot, Chris. I'm going to make you go first. I'm going to pick Valtteri Bottas. Don't think he's going to win this weekend. I don't think Mercedes will have the speed for it. But I think we've we've said all these ways that Hamilton can finish ahead of him to win the championship. I actually have a feeling Bottas is going to make Lewis sweat a little bit after this race. Just... Mm. Just turn the screw a bit. Keep that pressure on, even though the championship is a long way away from him at this point. So he's mm-hmm. my pick. Yeah, I, I, that's a good one. I like that. Um, I'm going to be boring and say Albon. I don't know how boring that is. I don't think that's I've that boring. Been, I've just spent ages talking about Albon, so maybe it <laughs> is because I've just been repeating myself for most of it. But um, yeah, I just, I'm really, I'm really excited to see how he does against Verstappen. The main reason is because he's this curve that he's been on, where he's gotten used to the car. He's he's sort of he's had a bit more luck than than uh, Verstappen has over this last few races, but still, like to be qualifying with identical times as Max Verstappen at what is arguably the most difficult track to master yeah uh, on on the calendar it's a very very complex track for many reasons the uh, the Japanese Grand Prix track the Suzuka circuit and yeah he's he's I don't think Albon's really done that much racing there before if any and to qualify you know with the same time as your world champion to be one day teammate by by most people's standards then yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So maybe you know, he's not been in that car that long. Is he going to get better than him? Is he going to cause a headache for Helmut Marco? Who knows? <laughs> well, if if Red Bull do get it right this weekend, and that's a big if, he could well be on for his first podium here. Yeah, absolutely could. If if he's going to do it anywhere, this is the race that I mean they'll be looking. They could be looking at a one-two um, Honda this weekend. If if the if previous races to go back, if the Honda's got the goods then yeah, yeah. Pr- predictions are going to be interesting when we get to them <laughs> yeah they are aren't they um so shall we, shall we pick some teams to watch yeah um i'm gonna go for the boring one this time and it is red bull for me not necessarily because i think they are going to be the fastest because i genuinely can't tell like part of me feels like the ropey second half of the season they've had means it's not going to pan out for them this year but then at the same time, they've just always been very, very good here. And it's a place that really suits their car. So because they're so hard to read this weekend, I'm going to pick them. Okay. That's a very good choice again. Um, Thanks. You've, oh, I kind of made, you've made my life really difficult by doing that. Um, I could say Ferrari, to, but then I would also be going over my storylines again. Um, <laughs> um, Renault. I'm interested to see what Renault do. Because they all season they've really struggled to sort of get reliability. They've had a lot of bad luck. They've only just sort of started to sort of get that car where it should roughly be. Um, they're having a, like a bit of a ding dong with McLaren at the minute. McLaren are sort of running away with fourth place. I don't think they're going to beat them to that, but I'm sure they'd love to see out the end of the season with the fourth quickest car. Yeah. So. 
especially given that the rules aren't changing all that much next season. So this weekend could be a time to, if you're quick here, if you're efficient here with your downforce, then you should be quick. It's a sign of a very, very fast car, I think, if you or a very efficiently well downforced car. Yeah. If you uh well downforced car. <laughs> weird phrase. <laughs> that works. Um so if they can get that right, if they can get a result here, then yeah. Well should, Re- uh, Renault should... were fourth fastest in Mexico last year. Mm. Well there you go. Let's see if they can repeat that. So that's um, gobbled there, right? You know yeah, well, the engine opportunity as well, again, isn't it? It's that, that leveler of the thin air. Um, I know I said earlier the best engine is the best engine, no matter what altitude you're at, but still, like, like you bring said, them closer. It, yeah, it bring, if it can bring them closer, then, you know, the, the other factors like drivability, um, aerodynamic performance, tyre wear, that kind of thing, they all ramp up and are much, much bigger factors than than they were when when the engine was more of a dominant force. So... That's why I want to watch. That's the reasons I've just come up with. <laughs> That's why <laughs> I, like I want to watch Renault this weekend. Um, shall we make some predictions? Let's make some predictions. Um, as always, when one of us is off, we've done the random driver ahead of time. So we've got Tom's predictions in. Um, but I'm going to make you go first, Stu. Uh, who is your fastest in Q3 before penalties? My fastest qualifier is going to be oh i can see tom's predictions here and i don't want to make the same one but i'm struggling i'm gonna go album i'm gonna oh that is out. out there there we go ah oh, stupid hold on <laughs> um what a, what a terrible idea oh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for vettel i think ferrari are gonna have the legs this weekend Okay. Uh, Tom does not. Sensible. Tom's gone. For, Tom's gone for Verstappen, which is, uh, by all means, a very good pick. <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You can't can't argue with that. Um, um, winner, I'll go first this time, and I'm I'm going for Vettel double. Okay, my winner. I'm going to go Leclerc then. Okay, uh, and Tom's gone for a Verstappen double. Tom's going for a good weekend for Red Bull. Uh, first DNF. I'll tell you Tom's first. He's gone for Sergio Perez. A nice mid-pack first corner crunch, I imagine, is what he's thinking there. Yeah. Who have you got? Um. Oh, me again. Uh, I'm going to go midfield, midfield. Raikkonen, I'm going to go. Ooh. Raikkonen's going to get a bit of bad luck. It's a get a bit of bad luck kind of circuit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Who is it last year? Last year, first retirement was Alonso, followed by Sainz, followed by Perez. It's difficult to keep your engines cool here because there's not a lot of air to get through them. I'm feeling like it's a Renault, and I think my Renault of choice is going to be... Hulkenberg. I knew you were going to go Hulkenberg. Just honestly, it pains me to say Ricardo because I like him so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, <laughs> I, I, my thinking is exactly the same. There's, I could never give it to Ricardo. <laughs> uh, number of finish. I think it's probably my turn to go first. Uh, last yeah. year we had good old 16. I'm going to go good old 16 again. I almost went 15, but that feels too low. I think it is going to be a race of attrition, though. 
Okay, uh, I'm sixteen is too low. Uh, no, sorry, fifteen's too low. I don't want to say the set. I'm going to go eighteen. Go eighteen, largely because Thomas said seventeen. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Which brings on to a random driver, which, as I said before, we have uh, picked in advance. And I promised this was random, but we've gone for Lewis Hamilton. Or random.org has gone for Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, which is, a which very... is interesting because none of us have him on our list so far. Well, it, Hamilton's come out at probably the race on the calendar you would say he's least likely to win. Yeah. Which is, makes it very interesting. Uh, Tom has got him down as third. Where are you going to put him, Stu? Um, I am gonna go. I've got him right down, actually. In I'm gonna put him in sixth. Ooh. I think he's gonna have a mare. <sighs> that is quite low. I'm going. I, well, if I've got Albon to win, I've got to put my money where my mouth. It's is. true. If you got Albon to win, you've probably got Verstappen on the podium as well. So yeah, I'm gonna go for a. Is it fourth or is it fifth? I think it's fourth. I'm going fourth. There's some interesting things in there this week. Um, yeah. You know what? I've just shown the world how not to pick predictions. <laughs> well, <laughs> none we'll of, see. None of those are doing anything. I wouldn't mind yours week. being right, but we'll see. Yeah, um, fantastical predictions, those are. Yes. Uh, if you think you're better than all of us, which you probably are, or even if you don't, uh, predictions are open right now on backofthegrid.com where you can go and register if you've never taken part. Uh, where you can enter predictions you have until the start of qualifying on Saturday. As always, there's a prize for anyone who can get five out of five uh, and a prize for the season champion uh, at the end. There's only a few races left for the very tight battle we've got at the top. Yeah, Um, yeah. so even if you've never got involved before, please do. Yes, and um, shall we move on to inbox? Box, box. Let's. Uh, I've got the first one from Timothy George, who says, "With the new regulations coming in for 2021, what teams do you think slash hope will improve, and which team will struggle and make their way down the order?" Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I hope McLaren move. I hope McLaren improve, um, and I think McLaren will improve. But by how much? Probably not enough to get them in the championship hunt, but yeah. maybe enough for them to nick the odd podium here and there. Maybe. Uh, if it, it won't be many, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got to be Renault, I think, as well. Like Renault are pinning so much on 2021. They, they have to get it right. Um, I think, they, again, I think they will move up. It, whether they'll move up enough to be challenging for wins is a very different question. Um, yeah. Obviously, also would very much hope that Williams will uh, do a decent job of the new rules and move I've away up as well. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. I'm thinking twenty twenty. What an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> Shall I go again? Um, I mean, your answer still worked. <laughs> it's still, but I think they'll do better. I actually think they'll do better than that in 2021. I think with the Mercedes okay. engine in the back of it and with... That's um, true, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and with Adrian Newey's acolytes designing the vehicle, yep. then I think McLaren could be in the mix as in for, 2021. As for teams that will struggle, I actually have a feeling Red Bull might... Um, given how much with, with the amount of aero freedom being taken away I don't think they're going to but be you know, like running at the back or anything but I don't think Red Bull are going to be 
back up to their winning ways. Mm, no, I don't, I don't agree. I think I, I think they'll be right in the mix as well because what's happening is there's a whole new avenue of, of aerodynamic design opening up. So although they're taking a lot away, still there's you know a whole new rule book for them to exploit and for them to design you know underfloor downforce ground effect downforce onto the car and they've been historically the best at that or one of the best at that so i i think i think they'll be in it i think they'll be there or thereabouts i i, I think mercedes if anyone's going to go down probably mercedes are going to get reeled in because the engines aren't changing and the engines are all sort of steadily yeah. reaching parity the possibility so and I think Ferrari will still Ferrari does look they'll still be in there, but I just think it'll be much closer at the top, is what I'm gonna say. So yeah. I think that you might see like maybe five teams fighting for podiums and wins in the early part of the season. It's only when, you know, the season gets a bit older or you get a bit further into regulations that maybe someone discovers a, a silver bullet yeah. you like and and finds themselves an advantage ahead of the field and people have got to catch them up, then that's when you know, that's essentially what's happened with Mercedes. And they've got just such an all-round... It's not even a silver bullet with Mercedes. It's just such an all-round great package. Yeah, absolutely. That there's so many silver bullets on it that there's no single one that anyone can copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing. So, yeah. Um, Formula Will says, I know it isn't F1, but with Formula E testing starting and W Series announcing their new driver lineup, which are you more excited for? Um Yes, hmm. we've, ju- we've just the Formula E testing has just finished in the last few days. Um, uh, the, the, I was reading earlier that they they did their usual couple of like practice races at the end of testing just for sort of them to figure out their systems and new rules and whatnot. Um, and in the second of the two practice races, half the cars came back with bits missing because the drivers all just got a bit too carried away, even though it was supposed to be a nice safe practice race. Yeah, which I, I very mean- much like. It's just like when you go down to the go kart track. Exactly. Yeah. They, t- they tell you. They tell you. Here are all the rules. Don't don't overtake at this corner. I've I've been told before. <laughs> don't get in each other's way. And then soon nah. as soon as someone's in your way, argy bargy, get out of my way. I'm faster than you. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, I am very excited for Formula E this year, though. Um, you've got so there's Van Dorn and Nick De Vries at the new Mercedes team. You've got Brendan Hartley joining uh, the grid at Dragon. De Costa joining Verne at their reigning champions to Cheetah, which is going to be a really interesting battle. Neil Janney and Lotter at the new Porsche team. What? Um, All the big names. Goodness. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of drive movement this year. The new Nissan, which looks very nice. Have you seen the pictures of the new paint job? Yeah, I saw the pictures just before we started recording. It looks very, very cool. It yep. has my seal of approval for sure, that one. That looks very good. There's a lot of cars this year that aren't silver and teal, which is nice because the last couple yeah. of years made it very hard to tell them apart. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for Formula this year. Um, as for W Series, so I, th- I think the most sort of interesting, impressive thing for W Series is they said last year that the top 12 last year would get automatic entrance to the second season if they wanted to, and all 12 of them have taken those spots, which I think says a lot for the series that every single one of those 12 drivers are wanting to come back. Um, of the new drivers, um, I don't really recognise most of the names, to be honest. The only one of note really is Abby Eaton, who is, um, she's the kind of test driver on, 
what's it called? Not Top Gear, the new one. Grand Tour. She she Grand does Tour, all. The, yeah. yeah, she's kind of Stig, but not Stig on Grand Tour. Um, so you'll recognize that name. Otherwise, I don't really know a lot about the rest. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see how the second season that goes. There's a lot to like about the first season. A lot of things they need to work on. Um, but they well, is that the Grand Tour or uh... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of the Grand Tour needs to work on. Yeah. Um, but W Series did show last year that they were uh, very quick to make positive changes when things didn't work. So I've got quite a lot of confidence that they'll do another good job uh, next year. Jamie Chadwick back to defend her title. Um, Jamie Chad. I I have a feeling Emma Kimmy Lyon's going to take it this year. Like she she missed two or three rounds and still finished in the top three last year. So yeah, she's the one to watch. Wow, you know a lot more about motorsport this this weekend <laughs> this, today than I do. <laughs> Spend more time on Reddit than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shall we do the next one? Yeah, next question from Thomas De Morgan. Uh, I believe Hamilton only has to finish in the top four in Mexico to win. Not strictly correct. Well, you'd say correct me if I'm wrong. So we already have referred to earlier in the podcast. Uh, do you think he's going to do it? Bearing in mind Mercedes aren't always on form here and recent results. Will Max win again to claim the most wins at the circuit? It's a good stat. Uh, and potentially Albon in the mix. Uh, as I said earlier, I don't think Hamilton's going to win the title here. I don't no, think yeah, I've, yeah, we've kind of, we have, we have, pre- I, I threw that one in. We have like kind of covered all that off, I think, earlier on. Yeah, but, um, I didn't know Max would become the person who's won here the most if he did. That's a, that's a good stat. I like yeah, that. yeah, it'll be three. Um, it'll be three. Hamilton's won one, and I think maybe Bottas won one. Testing us now. There was a graphic. There was a Formula One did a social graphic for it on Twitter earlier. So it was it was Verstappen two, Hamilton one, and then someone else won. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to the next one? Yes. Um, so this is from the Jean Denis Delatraz posting experience. Hey, it's, been it's been a while, while. Jean Denis Delatraz posting experience. Great to hear from you. F1 races seem to be an event beyond just a race. You have your car shows in Britain. Japan essentially has a theme park over here <laughs> in America. We have concerts. This year, it's Pink and Imagine Dragons, which is the audio equivalent of having your kneecaps broken with a cricket bat. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan of... Uh, I mean, Pink, I can get that. Imagine Dragons are okay, though. Um, all of the circuits in F1... Oh, Sorry, of all the circuits in F1, which has the most fascinating pre- or post-race festivities... What would you like to see in person if given the opportunity? Well, Jean-Denis Delatraz posting experience, we had Craig David at the British <laughs> Grand Prix this year. Um, and that tells you everything you need to know about British motorsport. Um, who would I like to see the most? It'd be great. I don't know. Like, It's a weird one because like, when they're picking these artists, often like people aren't there to see an artist. They're, there to, they're kind of supplemental to the show of the race they're not you know they're not gonna get you know you, you're not gonna get your kylie's <laughs> or your uh your, your glastonbury headline acts performing no. at a formula one race um they usually kind of like still just about relevant artists which is obviously given given we've got pink and imagine dragons for the USA Grand Prix. The, the Singapore Grand Prix usually has a really good gig. And actually they had Bastille, um, who who sort of were kind of friends with 
Um, oh, like, name is that a name drop? I just heard there a little bit of a name drop. <laughs> <laughs> kind of friends with, like we don't know him that well, but yes. Um, Our friend yeah, sent so... us a video of F1 cars going past his hotel out of a window, which was a <laughs> a fairly yeah, cool yes. thing to see. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, and yeah, the, 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 historically, I think when I've looked at the lineups of these things, like Singapore has has had the best one but that's not the question is it what would you want to see in person given the opportunity i who would be yeah here's this so the question is who is your dream musician to see perform at a formula one race that you go to here's my answer and i think f1 of mr trick not doing this exactly i know exactly what you're gonna say i know exactly what you're gonna say chris what they need isn't it oh that's well that's very close to my answer. That's not my answer, but you're along the right lines. What I think they should do is have Brian Tyler there with a full orchestra playing the <sighs> Formula One theme live at the circuit. That would be pretty sweet. So we thought down a similar path there. I like. I like that. <laughs> similar path. Um, and you're such a you're such a fan of. Um, I forgot the name of the band that I just. The said. Mac. I'm getting of the Mac. You're such a fan of the Mac. Macwood Fleet. <laughs> um, that that would be very cool. That's a real tribute band, you know. Yes. And they're supposed to be really, really, really good, I've heard. Probably from you, Chris. A little point <laughs> for them as well. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we're becoming a music podcast. Yeah, basically. should we move on? Yeah. Um, we've had a email from uh, Julian Hajar, who, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long one. It's a long and very interesting one. I will kind of pare it down as much as I can for audio format. Um he says, I'd like to weigh in on the remove practice argument. Lots of people and podcasters have been arguing that F1 needs to remove practice sessions um, to make races more exciting and predictable. I completely disagree, and here's why. Uh, drivers need the practice sessions to learn their cars, improve driving, set up the car. If you remove practice, you're making it harder for the teams, but it won't make things closer. Uh, I believe if you make it hard for all teams, the back of the grid teams will suffer the most because uh, they're most in need of runtime. Um... The reason we don't, ha- the reason the races that don't have practice sessions before them is exci- are exciting is because the teams were relying on that practice. If they know it's not going to happen, they'll prepare differently, which is a very interesting point. I've not heard made actually. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the engineers need data to keep the cars running, make sure they extract the maximum. Uh, when they don't have this data, they have to run the cars more conservatively, which means the races rely a lot more on saving tires, fuel, engine, etc. Um, he goes and say, I believe the team should be free to practice as much as they want. That way, drivers are the drivers that are more hard working can distinguish themselves. Those who are suffering have opportunity to improve, and teams that don't have the resources should be helped by the FIA. When you see all they're achieving within these amazingly tight constraints, it makes you wonder what they could do if they were let off the leash a little bit. I may be a little biased towards releasing the engineers being one myself, but I know what engineers can do, and the best engineers in the world are working on these cars with incredible constraints. I can only imagine what they would make if they weren't so limited. Sorry for the long message. Love the show. Hope you can get some discussion out of this. I'm sure we can. There's a lot to unpack think, in there. Yeah, there's a fair amount there. Um, we'll go through it bit by bit. So I'm, uh, first thing I want to say is that I, I, we're not again. I, I don't think we're against them having practice on here, are we? I think that's... I want to make that clear from the yeah, outset. Yeah, I don't think we, we've ever gone with the remove practice idea. I think less practice. Yeah. But I think an hour's less practice. practice. <laughs> it's literally one hour. I'm, I'm taking one hour off the practice, which they don't need. They're just yeah. running qualifying simulations anyway in that Which session, is still so. pushing a third of the amount of practice they have. So it's still a big chunk but, for them to lose. 
It is a big chunk, but when you consider that they're basically running a faux qualifying session in that session every time, they're not doing any meaningful like long running or anything like that. Yeah, um, true. I don't think they need that set. I genuinely don't think they need FP3. I, they could do without that. And that would give us a more mixed up grid as well because they wouldn't be practicing qualifying. They're practicing the race in the other two sessions. But then you could argue that they'll just do their qualifying simulations in FP2 instead. <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've never, we've never said remove practice. I'm, I'm in. I'm in largely in agreement with most of what he's saying. I think he just makes some very yeah. Like I've I've never really heard the argument that, and it's a really good point that the reason races like Japan, for example, where we lose practice time are more exciting is because they were expecting to be able to do that practice. If they knew it's not going to be there, then they'll just do other things to be able to set up the car and. And it's right, like they the teams will use the time they have in the best way possible. It's only when what they've planned to do suddenly goes out the window that they start to struggle. Um, yeah. As for the drivers needing the time, I I can see his point, but I would also say that the best drivers should be the ones that can adapt to difficult situations the best. Yeah, well, a, a driver shouldn't need more than a good driver doesn't need more than three laps to get their head around a track. Practice they're, isn't they're really so, for the drivers, is it? Practice is for the teams. It's for the teams to set up the cars yeah. to the maximum. It, to new drivers improve, maybe more improve so. it for the driver. Yeah, but like even then, within like ten laps, like anyone can go to a go kart. Any any reasonably, you know, accomplished person, someone who can drive a car, can go to a kart track. And you know, not you don't even need to be able to drive a car. Anyone, pretty much anyone, can go to a kart track and learn the track within ten laps. I yeah, would say. yeah. I think definitely. if you if and if you if you can't learn a kart track within ten laps, then you're not going to find your way to a Formula One car anyway. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's that. I don't. It's good. It is good for the drivers to have practice to sort of lose some of the unknown variables that they're going to have. But yeah, they don't. Most drivers, I think, would be happy to do a qualifying session, show up at a race weekend, do a qualifying session, then go and have a race. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then to, um, to Julian's broader point of letting engineers off the leash some more and, you know, seeing what they can do, that, in practice, that sounds really really interesting and like yes it's, yes it's always great to like let people push the bounds and do whatever they can do the problem is we've had eras like that in formula one and what it usually gives you is one dominant team and pants racing because engineers that are let off the leash to design whatever the hell they want will design a car that goes very very fast and that no other car can get anywhere near following because it's just aero wake all over the shop yeah. Um, well, because, the, it's, because it's chucking stones out of the back of it at the driver's face <laughs> and the teams that can throw the most money at these engineers that they're throwing the most stuff at the wall will inevitably build the fastest car so it, theoretically it sounds fantastic but I don't think it necessarily leads to good racing would be my thought on that yeah where are we, where are we up to <laughs> this is such a big 
I think we've kind of broadly covered all of it. it there's, a, there's a lot in there and it's very interesting stuff. And if anyone else has kind of opinions on this stuff, we'd be really interested to hear like more opinions on this kind of thing because I think it is, this is something that is in F1's future in one way or another. Yeah, some of it, yeah, definitely. The, the, well, the, the adjusting of the, the weekend structure, I think, is definitely in F1's fairly near future. Yeah. I think I'm kind of I'm really blinkered to it. I really, really want them to do my idea because I just can't see any <laughs> logical way of, of improving. Maybe I'm just lacking imagination, but I honestly, honestly, honestly cannot see a more reasonable way of running a race weekend and changing it. I think, like, other than what we've got now, I think this is the only idea that could possibly improve it. I think any other idea would make it worse because it's already really, really good is the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, again, you're talking about all these changes. It's not bad right now. It's yeah, not bad it's not at all. Exactly. But yeah, and, and Lewis Hamilton said it last week. If his hope is that the new cars will generate better racing. So on the yeah. on the other hand, you've got you've got the reliance on on the engineers to produce cars that that you know that that generate good racing and i guess it's like more the onus is on the rule makers to to give them the tool set they need to design those cars but yeah and if the engineer is always going to make the fastest car they they can make given a given a set of limitations so plus if know. the new rules mean we suddenly start getting an absolute barnstorm of a race every sunday do we care how much practice they have like do we really want an, an extra sprint race at that point yeah, I mean, no. This look, this season hasn't been that bad, and we don't even have those new cars yet. And and the amount of downforce no. levels they're talking about, um, the, the amount of loss they're talking, the following car losing downforce that they've improved upon, they're talking about such a huge improvement that we've already had a lot. There's been a lot of overtaking and stuff in this this season. There's been some really really good races. Yeah, we had a bit of a barren run around the middle of the season where there were a few rubbish races in a row, but. I think overwhelmingly, overall, it's been a pretty good season so far. And the, the second half of the season has been really, really good as well. So, yeah, I'm in a way, I'm kind of worried that it's going to get like one team's going to get a massive advantage and it's going to ruin what we've got now. Yeah, we're going to break something that's not entirely. Brilliant. Well, we're going to fix something that's not entirely broken, I should say. Yeah, which would be classic Formula One. It really because... would actually be very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah um and i think that is probably on that note that's probably a good point to end on yes <laughs> i'd say this week that's about all i've got time for um you can like share and subscribe to the podcast if you i mean well what i mean to say is please do like share and subscribe to the podcast <laughs> um you can find us on twitter at back of the grid f1 we're on facebook if you search for back of the grid and we're on instagram at back of the grid and of course there's the website where you can submit your predictions and listen to the podcast there as well. It's backofthegrid.com. Um, and yeah, that is it this week. So buenas noches. That's good night in Spanish. And uh, we'll see you for our review of the Mexican Grand Prix. So goodbye. Bye. <laughs>